Sorry. This is Viewpoint with attorney and author Chuck Chrismeyer. Viewpoint is a one-hour talk show confronting the issues of America's heart and home. And now with today's edition of Viewpoint, here is Chuck Chrismeyer. Save our democracy. That's the new Russia collusion. At this point, it would save everyone time if Democrats could simply point to a policy agenda that isn't going to save democracy if such a thing exists. If... Republicans vote, they're killing democracy. If they don't vote, they're killing democracy. So the only way to save democracy, wrote the Washington Post Max Boot, is to empower one-party rule, a position that you might think sounds counterintuitive to anyone with a middle school education. But now he says you need to vote literally to save democracy once again. That's what President Biden uh, contends. Or, he says, we will lose our fundamental rights and freedoms like the right to choose, the right to privacy, the right to vote, our very democracy. Well, it sounds pretty chilling, but it doesn't really end there. It really doesn't end there. Everything is about saving democracy. Unfortunately, those who are crying the loudest to save democracy are actually seeking to destroy it. It is the ultimate disinformation in the name of democracy. So I welcome you to Viewpoint. I'm Chuck Chrismeyer. It's conversation with ever-increasing conviction, talk that transforms, and we are going to take a very interesting look at numerous ways in which supposedly the pursuit and advance of democracy is being used directly and dangerously to destroy it. It has a lot to do with communication. It has a lot to do with whether or not you are enabled to speak a voice, have a voice, to speak an opinion, to speak a viewpoint, and to be able to live that viewpoint out without assault. That is, without physical assault, without name-calling. In other words, that there would be, dare we call it, respect, or even a measure of toleration. But that does not seem to be in the cards for those who are pursuing the salvation of democracy by disinforming the American people about what it is and what their real agenda is. So again, I welcome you to Viewpoint. Viewpoint always determines destiny. Today is no exception. And we're going to have a great conversation here today on the program. One of the things that I want to mention before we get uh, more deeply into our conversation today is an expression of gratitude to those of you, our listeners, who are stepping up to the plate as you are able to try to uh, help us to continue to do what God has called us to do here on this program, to move with information that brings transformation and that through application of the Word of God to the clear issues of our time without disinformation, without dissing what the Word of God has to say, without uh, any of those kinds of things. So I'm glad that you have joined us here. Uh, And for those of you who have been faithful uh, in supporting over these many years, uh, may the Lord bless you accordingly. We make no promises as to 
the great benefits that are going to be poured out to you, but I do believe that God loves a cheerful giver, uh, those who give into his kingdom. And this program, this ministry, Save America Ministries, is all about the kingdom of God. It's not about the kingdom of America. That may sound strange. You say, well, why do you have this title, uh, Save America Ministries? Well, that's the one we felt that the Lord gave us back in 1993 when we formed Save America Ministries because God had called us to declare his truth, to rebuild the foundations of faith and freedom as a voice to the church declaring vision for the nation here in America's Greatest Crisis Hour. A voice to the church declaring vision for the nation. Notice the primary emphasis. The primary emphasis is on the kingdom of God, those who call themselves by the name of the Lord. That's where the Bible is directed. That's where all the words of prophecy are directed. That's where Jesus' words, the apostles' words are all directed. That's why that's where we direct our words. Some people might say, well, you're just preaching to the choir. That's exactly what God does. He's preaching to the choir. He's seeking to get the choir to sing on tune, and the choir doesn't want to sing his tune. You get the point. So, again, I thank, uh, express such gratitude to those of you who, over time, are beginning to see that what we're doing here on Viewpoint is deadly serious and that it, it truly is uh, dealing with, we're, we're truly dealing with the most fundamental issues of our time from God's eternal perspective. It doesn't matter what the Republicans say in and of itself. It doesn't matter what the Democrats say in and of themselves. It doesn't matter what the pastor says in and of himself. What matters is what God says. So, when we talk about disinformation, when we talk about dissing real information or real truth in order to accomplish some other objective, this is not something that is just political. This is happening right in our churches. Oh, it really is. In fact, one of the things that we deal with here is that the greatest rejection of all comes from spiritual leaders. It doesn't come openly because they would not do that generally. They do it behind the scenes. They do it tacitly because they're afraid. And so even though many pastors and parachurch leaders would say, well, we just want to protect our democracy under God. We want to be a nation under God. Yes, but not quite so much. Because when we start talking about what God actually says about some of the issues of our time, then all of a sudden, the under God parts kind of gets quiet. Because they don't want to talk about it. Why don't they want to talk about it? Because it has implications for their own lives and for their ministries. Namely, money and numbers. Those are the implications. So, I would ask you a question before we go further into this conversation today concerning the democratic destruction or uh, creation of disinformation or disinformation in the name of democracy. I would I would ask you whether or not you believe that those in spiritual leadership today in our churches 
are absolutely telling us the truth, the whole truth about what God says. Now, before you ask, answer that question, I want to lead you to a report that came out, uh, I believe it was maybe six, eight months ago, from George Barna and uh, his research institute. And here's what they found. Going to pastors across the country, they were asked whether or not you believe what the Bible has to say about such salient issues as abortion, divorce, uh, remarriage when your spouse is still living, and those kinds of issues. 80% of the pastors said, yes, I believe what the Bible says about those. But then they were asked, well, do you teach or preach on those issues about what the Bible says? Only 20% admitted that they did. Case closed. We'll be back. Once upon a time, children could pray and read their Bibles in school. Divorces were practically unknown, as was child abuse. In our once great America, virginity and chastity were popular virtues, and homosexuality was an abomination. So what happened in just one generation? Hi, I'm Chuck Chris Meyer, and I urge you to join me daily on Viewpoint, where we discuss the most challenging issues touching our hearts and homes. Could America's moral slide relate to the Fourth Commandment? Listen to Viewpoint on this radio station or anytime at saveus.org. The position of left-wing pundits and the New York Times editorial board, also senators, asking to defend, uh, tasked with defending their institution in the name of democracy, you wonder how far they will go. What will they actually call for in uh, under the, the pursuit of democracy? Well, they say, if we don't nationalize the economy, To avert a climate crisis, we're killing democracy. We've got to save democracy in order to save the species. Explained Jamie Raskin, Senator. And if we don't empty the Strategic Petroleum Reserve to temporarily keep gas prices low so Democrats can win in 2022, we're killing democracy. So we find ourselves in a situation where keeping gas prices low is key to preserving and strengthening the future of democracy, said MSNBC's Chris Hayes. So we also must allow the president to unilaterally create trillion-dollar spending bills and break existing private sector contracts by fiat. Why? For democracy. We have to pack the court to save democracy. We must create a ministry of truth to help with strengthening democratic institutions. All of this is supposedly because of the fate of democracy is at stake. That's what Mr. Barack Obama says. So wherever you look, everything is about saving our democracy. It's like a mantra. Is it true that the only way to save democracy is to allow one party to federalize elections so they can compel states to count mail-in votes that arrive 10 days late, to legalize ballot harvesting, to force the overturning of dozens of existing voter ID laws, and to allow felons to vote, create owners' burdens to chill speech, and empower bureaucrats to withdraw congressional districts? 
Is that all how we protect democracy? No, those are all things that are contrary to democracy. In the name of protecting democracy. Then, of course, there are the nefarious election deniers. You know, the so-called big lie, the Democrats believed election denial was an existential threat to American democracy. Even though... There are about 20 occasions over the past 15, 20 years in which Democrats increasingly denied election results, including Hillary Rodham Clinton. Well, it seems that we're in a deep, deep pit. If democracy is dependent upon a one-party system and doing precisely what One party, including particularly the Democratic Party, declares is truth. Maybe, just maybe, it's all a hoax. Maybe it's not that democracy itself is at stake at the hands of Republicans. Maybe the real damage to democracy is being done by those who are claiming democracy is at stake. So today on Viewpoint, if all that sounds confusing, today on Viewpoint, we're going to try to see how this works in a variety of different ways. A lot of it has to do with communication. It has to do with what is said, what is not said, and uh, uh, whether communication is free and open or whether it is going to be attacked, whether it's going to be uh, where names are going to be destroyed, human beings are going to be attacked, uh, perhaps even attacked by the FBI because what they say is just not in tune with those who claim they're protecting democracy. You say, that sounds really weird. Well, it should sound really weird, but it's true. It's absolutely true. And we're going to see exactly how that is true right now. This report came today. Republican in Congress reports sixth swatting attack on her home. A member of Congress, U.S. Representative Marjorie Taylor Greene in Georgia, has reported her sixth swatting attack on her home in recent weeks. Now, what is this? Well, that's when somebody calls the police and falsely claims that there's some sort of extreme criminality activity going on there, such as a shooting or a hostage situation or something like that. So... Here's what happens. Those reports are intended to bring a police SWAT team to the scene with the likelihood of an armed confrontation. Why an armed confrontation? Two reasons. One, to intimidate the person who is being swatted so that they won't speak anymore because their speech is not desired. Secondly, to possibly hope that in the SWAT confrontation, the person will be shot and dismissed totally from the political scene. Now, six episodes within a few weeks. U.S. Representative Marjorie Taylor Greene in Georgia. The police department in Rome, Georgia, said they're referring all inquiries regarding Greene to the FBI. 
But the FBI would not respond to a request for comment. So why is it that Biden's Justice Department is ignoring this stream of swatting attacks? There's good reason. Because Marjorie Taylor Greene is a powerful voice in the House of Representatives. She's a conservative. And she speaks straight out. It appears, in one sense, that the caller calling in to try to engender the SWAT team's activity is to have their victim murdered by the police. Well, that would be a giant abuse of police resources and time, wouldn't it? That's another reason why this is a very serious crime. The series of attacks on a sitting member of Congress began back in August of this year when there were calls to police two nights in a row that falsely claimed emergencies at the Congresswoman's home. So, why is it then that six times now, within a few weeks, the police and or FBI are responding with SWAT teams to Marjorie Taylor Greene's home? Would you not think that they would be getting the message? No. It's not about them getting the message. It's about Marjorie Taylor Greene getting the message. Your Democratic voice is not to be heard anymore in Congress. It's not to be heard on social media. It's not to be heard in any public venue. And you better beware, because if you continue... Another SWAT team will come, and who knows, maybe this time you won't survive it. Are you listening carefully? That's just one illustration. Let's take a look at a couple of others. PayPal. You know, the well-established large organization through which you can pay your bills and so on order things, well, they flip-flopped. They've reinstated a $2,500 fine for spreading so-called misinformation. So, apparently, PayPal believes that they're qualified to determine what is truth and what is not truth. And, of course, that's based upon their viewpoint, a political viewpoint, that is declared to be absolutely liberal absolutely extremely liberal and absolutely committed in unmitigated bias toward one political party that happens to be the Democratic Party or the Democrat Party. It's not a Democratic Party. It's a Democrat Party. So they're threatening. PayPal is re, is threatening its loyal customers with fines of $2,500 for their misinformation just weeks after announcing the policy had been recanted because of outrage from the public. Why are they doing this? Friends, it's not about misinformation. It's about information they don't like. It's about information that may very well be the truth that is contrary to the messaging of the Democrat Party and their political goals. This is pretty dangerous, don't you think? When large companies 
begin to decide to control what is said, what is not said, what is heard, what is not heard. And if you say something that cannot be heard anywhere, it's as if you didn't say it. It's like the old statement, if a tree falls in a forest and nobody heard it, did it fall in the forest? Well, it fell in the forest, but to no consequence, because nobody knew about it, nobody heard it, and nobody can comment upon it as to the reason why it fell. Not only is is PayPal uh, going to charge a fine for spreading so-called misinformation, but they're going to uh, deduct $2,500 directly from your account. It's outlined in their user agreement, which they keep changing, by the way. The company considers to be offenses things like spreading false information. For instance, engaging in discrimination against the LGBTQ community and so forth. That's not misinformation, friends. That's just a different opinion. That's just a different opinion. But different opinions are no longer permitted in the name of Democrat-controlled democracy. Because that, by definition, is dangerous to democracy. Are you beginning to get the picture? What we're looking at here is, I, I hate to use this term, but it is clearly Orwellian. Going back to the book 1984. Those who disinformation are the very ones who cry out to control other people in the name of disinformation, in the name of protecting democracy. Talk about the destruction of the language. That's really what this is about. It's the destruction of our language. When language is destroyed, there's nothing less to talk about. There is no ability to communicate about issues like truth or non-truth. What is true, what is not true, what is true information, what is not true information, what is disinformation or misinformation, they all bloom together, and the only thing that matters is power to make the decision. That's all that matters. So what the Democrat Party is saying, in effect, is... Unless you agree with every point of our positions, you, by definition, are engaged in misinformation at the best and disinformation most likely. And we're going to shut you down. Now, this has had a serious uh, an attack against this kind of thinking when Elon Musk this week, concluded his buyout of Twitter. Now, I don't engage in Twitter. I love to hear birds twittering, but I don't engage in something called Twitter. Never have, and I don't know that I ever will. On the other hand, it seems to have been a major kind of communication, even among politicians, maybe especially among politicians. And so... Elon Musk decided he was going to use his multi-billions, the most, the richest man on the planet, he was going to use his great wealth 
in order to try to set the record straight and restore some measure of democratic communication. In other words, democratic talk that isn't going to be shut down because somebody, some power broker, decides what is true and what is not true, or what is to be heard and what is not to be heard. So, this report says Elon Musk has fired every Twitter executive involved in banning Trump or in hiding Biden laptop story. Fired them all. Wow. That's pretty strong. But then the next report that I had was that he fired 75% of them, or at least he was going to. We don't have that confirmed. But what we do have confirmed is Elon Musk seems to be very serious about not playing this game anymore. That if we're going to protect democracy, we're going to have to protect democracy honestly. There is so much more about Chuck Chris Meyer and Save America Ministries on our website, saveus.org. For example, under the marriage section, God has marriage on his mind. Chuck has some great resources to strengthen your marriage. First off, a fact sheet on the state of the marital union, a fact sheet on the state of ministry, marriage, and morals. Saveus.org. Marriage, divorce, and remarriage. What does the Bible really teach about this? Find all of this at saveus.org. Also, a letter to pastors, the Hosea Project, saveus.org, and many more resources to strengthen your marriage. It's all on Chuck's website, saveus.org. Again, you can listen to Chuck's Viewpoint broadcast live and archived. Save America Ministries website at saveus.org. It seems that the concerns of Donald Trump and uh, those echoed by Elon Musk concerning the previous election, presidential election, are actually being revealed as largely true. President Trump was permanently banned by Twitter over his concerns about the integrity of the 2020 election. So would he be allowed to return to Twitter if he chose? Apparently, perhaps he will be. If he was not allowed to return to Twitter, then Elon Musk would himself become a controller of legitimate conversation and would defeat his own intentions, ostensible intentions, to protect democracy. Now, Mr. Trump's concerns have actually been documented. At least two factors are considered by polling and analysts to have likely taken away his election victory and given to Joe Biden. Those would be Mark Zuckerberg's 400 million uh, plus pass through foundations to local election officials who often use it to recruit voters in Democratic districts. So will Twitter improve under Musk's leadership? The second is the FBI's interference in the election. The Bureau FBI Bureau lobbied social media companies to suppress accurate but very damaging information about the Biden family just days before the election. That's what the whole uh, Hunter Biden thing is about. So the focal point of the fight over Twitter 
has been the company's previous insistence on censoring messages that it or the Biden administration disliked. But Musk has talked about returning free speech to the site. Calling for a high-tech community forum where topics can be discussed. But critics were immediate. Uproxx writer Mike Redman wrote, I don't think of any of us are prepared for how quickly this whole site is about to go down. It's a miracle flames aren't shooting out of it already, he reported. And another writer, Dylan Reeve, claimed, Yeah, man, baby, with poor impulse control and edgelord tendencies has the helm. The responses are amazing, but expected. George Washington University law professor and constitutional expert Jonathan Turley said in response, as expected, this morning media figures are all in full panic at the thought that one social media platform may restore free speech protections after years of biased and aggressive censoring. He wrote that the heads, the executives of Twitter, personified the censorship culture at Twitter. Figures who were unabashedly opposed traditional values of free speech and viewpoint diversity. In fact, not long after taking over, they pledged to regulate content as reflected of things that we believe lead to a healthier public conversation. In other words, we're going to determine what can be heard and what cannot be heard, and we're going to determine whether it's true or not. You begin to see the problem. The problem is now so deep that it is true that the Democratic foundations are deeply in trouble. The Bible says this, if the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? Now, I don't know to what extent Elon Musk is righteous, but it does seem that he did have a right attitude, at least what was said, that he wanted to restore freedom of speech, and he saw that that could not be done under existing social media platforms. Therefore, he was going to put his money where his mouth was, and he was going to put up $44 billion to buy out Twitter so that he could restore the opportunity for free speech. Will it happen? We'll have to see. Now, it is not just the social media companies that are involved in this. It's the FBI itself. An FBI cheat sheet regarding election crimes around the 2022 midterm elections offering guidance on dealing with so-called campaign finance violations, election interference, and more, also insists that the FBI will decide disinformation and whether it is a crime according to a new report. In other words, they will turn things that they don't like into crimes that aren't necessarily crimes. In other words, if you disagree with the politically liberal viewpoint that is extant in and through the FBI as a whole, and particularly its leadership, then by definition, you are a problem. 
by definition, you are likely engaged in disinformation. Not just misinformation, but disinformation. In other words, you're intentionally seeking to deceive. Now, the FBI, is, as Americans know, has already seriously undermined its own integrity by working with Democrats on the Russian collusion conspiracy, a theory and its lies that was launched against President Trump and was proven to be totally false. The FBI intended to create disinformation. Is anybody held responsible? No. So why do they want to hold everybody else responsible for what they determined to be disinformation when it has been proven by law and by the revelation of facts that they personally and as an institution engaged in the deception of the American people, cost us untold millions of dollars from from the government standpoint, and cost American citizens their financial livelihood because they attack them and require them to obtain lawyers at $500 an hour that they could not afford. So, fake evidence and so on is disinformation. Now Project Veritas has published This cheat sheet that explains the FBI is alert for disinformation, which would be, quote, false or inaccurate information intended to mislead others. Disinformation campaigns on social public media are used to deliberately confuse, trick, or upset the public, unquote. From whose viewpoint? From whose viewpoint? Project Veritas explains, quote, the document details how the Bureau, that is the FBI, will tackle what they consider to be election crimes. These categories could raise questions about who gets to determine what is misinformation and or disinformation. As as you know, the Biden administration recently tried to create a disinformation governance board that would impose its views on America. But when their scheme became truly known, they backed down. We're looking at something, friends, that is a kind of deadly virus that is being perpetrated in a war by the Democrat Party against the very foundations of our country. I hate to put it so bluntly, and it's not that there aren't those within the Republican Party that share some of those viewpoints. There are, such as globalism, which basically is a view that is anti-American. It's a view that is anti-this country. It's a view that's anti-American constitution. So we have a tremendous battle going on in a country known as the United States of America. And perhaps one of the leading forces in this, as Joseph Farah describes today in uh, World Net Daily, it's official. Google is a powerful arm of the evil Democratic Party. 
Facebook and Twitter get more of the blame when it comes to the stealing of the 2020 election, he said, but one must never forget how Google puts the other big tech players to shame through its own qualitative and quantitative difference in the breadth of censorship it uses when it wants to wreak real havoc at overturning the once free press in America. Google has deliberately and seriously and uh, with force attempted to destroy WorldNet Daily, which is the premier and first Christian-based news agency on the Internet. Why would they do that? Because they don't want the message. They don't want the message out. And the timing of Google's most egregious filtering is particularly damning, says the article. For most of each month, nearly all of the RNC's Republican National Convention uh, Committee's emails make it into user inboxes. At approximately the same time at the end of each month, Google sends to spam nearly all of the RNC's emails. So there's a lawsuit against Google for this egregious behavior. Critically and suspiciously, this end-of-the-month period is historically when the RNC's fundraising is most successful. It doesn't matter whether the email is about donating, voting, or a community outreach. And it doesn't matter whether the emails are sent to people who requested them. The discrimination has been ongoing for about 10 months now, in spite of the RNC's best efforts to try to work with Google. The case, the lawsuit that's filed now against Google is throttling the message. It explains that Google is throttling the message because the RNC's political affiliation and views. Are you beginning to get the message? So, enough is enough. So this group is suing Google for their blatant bias against Republicans. We're committed to putting an end to this clear pattern of bias. What will happen? We'll see. But friends, Google is no friend of democracy. Neither has been Twitter or Facebook or PayPal. We'll be right back. Have you ever considered what the early church was like? Many people are developing a heart longing for a greater fulfillment in our practices as Christians. A recent study showed 53,000 people a week are leaving the back door of America's churches in frustration. What is going on? Why has there not been even a 1% gain among followers of Christ in the last 25 years? Could it be that God is seeking to restore first century Christianity for the 21st century? Jesus said, I'll build my church. Is Christ by his spirit stirring to prepare the church for the 21st century? The early church prayed together and broke bread from house to house. They were family, and it was said by all who observed, behold how they love one another. Incredible. But the same can be found right now. Go to saveus.org and click Sell Church. We can revive first century Christianity for the 21st century. It's about people, not programs. It's about a body, not a building. That's saveus.org. Click Sell Church. Welcome back to Viewpoint. We're talking today about the Democratic disinformation or the disinformation of democracy 
Uh, it may sound, sound like a, uh, an impossibility, but in fact, that's exactly what's happening. If you were to look back at the field of psychology, you would, you would encounter something called defense mechanisms. Perhaps you're familiar with that term. Uh, it's been many years since I studied psychology, majored in psychology undergraduate as uh, nearly also in religion, but psychology was my official major. And I do remember talking about, hearing about defense mechanisms. One of those is called projection. Basically, projection means uh, that you accuse somebody else of that which you are doing. And you do that to take the heat off yourself. So you're trying to make the other guy, you know, it's like the kettle calling the pot black. You try to make the other guy look good, bad, or worse than you, so you accuse him, usually preemptively. In other words, before you're accused, you accuse them of doing what you actually are doing or intending to do. That's what has been happening uh, through American political rhetoric over the past uh, two to three election cycles, and it's intensifying. It's very hard for American people to discern when somebody is telling the truth or whether they're not, whether they're giving disinformation or just information or misinformation. And they accuse the Democrat Party is adept at this. This is what they do. It's their common practice to accuse Republicans of what Democrats are doing or intending to do. So when Hillary Clinton came out just last week and began to uh, uh, tell the American people and warn the American people about election fraud and about stealing election, what was she doing? She was accusing Republicans of setting up a massive fraudulent system to steal the midterm elections. Well, that's exactly what Hillary did. And it's been proven. That's exactly what the Democrat Party did. And it's been proven. Why is she doing that now when there hasn't even been an election yet? One of the uh, uh, television pundits asked that question. Why is she doing that? There hasn't even been an election. Normally, somebody would wait until there was an election in order to make such kinds of accusations. No, the reason she's doing it is because that's what the Democrat Party intends to do. So she wants to accuse Republicans of doing it so that people will be confused and won't believe that that's what Democrat people are doing, because after all, if they were, they wouldn't have accused the Republicans of doing it. They're beginning to get the picture. It's insidious, it's dishonest at the best, it's fraudulent at the worst, and it is utterly and totally wicked and sinful. Because, friends, words count. Your words count. My words count. And as you listen to this program, I hope you will realize, if you listen long, you will begin to realize we don't play games with words. We're not here to use strange shibboleths 
strange word forms and phrases and euphemisms to try to make things seem nice and sweet or easier, not what they seem to be. No, we're trying to call it what it is to speak the truth in love, but to speak the truth without hesitating. That's the only way we can survive as a people, as a nation, because truth is the only thing that can unify us. That's what Jesus said. Now, he wasn't talking about politics either. In John chapter 17, the great high priestly prayer. Pastors and parachurch leaders love to focus and have for the past 40 years been focusing on trying to unify the nation and unify the nations of the world around the second part of Jesus' high priestly prayer, saying, Father, that they may be one, that the world may know that thou hast sent me. So they say, see, that's what Jesus wanted. He wanted unity. But they're they're actually deceiving the people when they say that, because that isn't exactly what Jesus said. He began by setting the condition for the oneness of the people. That's what they don't want to talk about. So, what is that condition? Sanctify or set them apart according to thy truth. Thy word is truth. Jesus knew that the only way the church would be bound together in oneness in Christ would be through his truth. Not just parts of his truth. Not just belief in God. Not just believe that Jesus was the Son of God. But the entirety of his life and message, which he said was exactly the same as that of his Father. He said, I and the Father are one. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. He didn't come to bring a New Testament message. He came to bring an Old Testament message. He didn't deny the Old Testament. You can't find one place in the Bible where Jesus denied the Old Testament. What he did was give full meaning to it. He said, you have heard it said of old time, thou shalt not commit adultery. But I say unto you, whoever looks on a, a woman to lust after has already committed adultery in his, in his heart. So, that being the case, we need to shift from focus on media and focus on the Democrat Party to focus on the lack of genuine biblical discipleship in our churches. Hmm. Latest word today. What the church needs most is discipleship. A theological expert says that's our only hope. Dr. James Spencer, president of D.L. Moody Center in Massachusetts, recently appeared on CBN's Faith versus Culture. He said what the church needs most is discipleship. Now, I agree with him, but here's the problem. What does discipleship mean? That's where the rub is. Because if we don't define our terms, we are actually undermining and destroying the very thing we say we're talking about. So 
So here on Viewpoint, we know, and you know, if you've been listening long, that God never called us to be informed. Jesus never called us to be informed. They called us to be transformed. That's why Paul wrote in uh, uh, Romans 12, Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Notice, not prove that you're a Christian. Prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. In other words, there is a perfect will of God. There is a perfect truth, and you and I have to pursue it. And if we don't, and if we're not willing to speak it, We are actually engaged in disinformation. If we're ignorant about it, we're engaged in misinformation. Both misinformation and disinformation actually destroy discipleship. If we have any hope to restore a democratic republic in this country, the church must restore genuine discipleship in her own house. Discipleship is not evangelism. Evangelism is evangelism. That's giving birth to new babies in Christ. That's not the end of the story. That's just the beginning of the story. A new babe in Christ does what the culture does. A new babe in Christ engages in disinformation, misinformation, because that has been their way up till now. Now, as the Apostle Paul says, you are. You must move on from that babyhood. You must move on to become like Christ. You must be led by the Holy Spirit. For that which is not led of the Holy Spirit is at war with God. And is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. We're being called, and this program, by the way, one of the pillars of this program is discipleship. What is that? Discipleship is doing exactly what Jesus said in the uh, sermon, excuse me, on the uh, his great uh, commission. Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel, teaching them, discipling them, teaching them to obey everything that I've commanded. If we're not willing in God's house If pastors are not willing to teach the whole truth, no matter where it cuts, no matter how it hurts, hurts them, hurts the numbers in their congregation, hurts the tender toes of the people that are listening, hurts the flow of money, if they're not willing to speak the whole truth and to do it in such a way that it cannot be missed, they're engaged in disinformation. They're not discipling at all. They're discipling for destruction. They're discipling for rebellion. That's where we have gone astray in our country. So if, as Save America Ministries, our founding says, we're to rebuild the foundations of faith and freedom, the only way we can do that, because freedom's foundation is rooted in sanctify them according to thy truth. It's rooted in the truth that binds us. That begins with God's truth. That produces a virtuous people. And a virtuous people can uphold a democratic republic. 
A non-virtuous people cannot. And that's where we are. That's why we're in the mess we're in. And you cannot scream, save our democracy, save our democracy, save our democracy, when in fact, we don't even have one. We don't have even the illusion of a democracy at this point. And technically, we have a democratic republic, not a democracy. It's democratic because it involves the voting of the people. And Lord help you if you do not vote in the coming election. You will bear responsibility for the future of the country and what happens if you do not vote. And if you do not vote your conscience according to the authority of the word of God. Make no mistake about it. Your failure to vote is a vote. It's a spiritual obligation for a Christian in this country to vote. Not in every country because they don't have the ability to vote. But in this country, the government is of we the people. So let's go back now to the founding of this ministry, Save America Ministries. People will say, why Save America? Because, friends, the first three words of our Constitution, the preamble, say we the people. America, from our viewpoint, is not a political institution. That's not the real America. The real America is we the people. The real America is the people who love honor, and obey God. Just like that's the real Israel. That's right. If we really want to restore the foundations of this country, we've got to go back and repair the foundations. We can only do that by restoring truth in our lives. We must speak the truth. We must live the truth. We must obey the truth and then trust the rest to God. He'll bring the increase. Thanks for joining us. I hope this has been helpful here today. We are in dangerous territory. Let's be and become the people that God calls us to be and become. Get a copy of my book, Renewing the Soul of America. I think it'll be encouraging to you, uplifting, and give you vision for the future. $15 there on our website, saveus.org, saveus.org. God bless and be a blessing. You've been listening to Viewpoint with Chuck Grissmeyer. Viewpoint is supported by the faithful gifts of our listeners. Let me urge you to become a partner with Chuck as a voice to the church declaring vision for the nation. Join us again next time on Viewpoint as we confront the issues of America's heart and home.